0: Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are bringing you the best minds in functional medicine, and I assure you today is no exception. New Frontiers is able to offer these deeper drill-down conversations with content geared toward the professional audience because we are proudly sponsored by two companies that I use in my practice every day, Metagenics and Biotics Research Corporation. A little bit about Metagenics. Their mission is to lead the movement in making personalized nutritional intervention the standard of care in the treatment and prevention of disease and the promotion of optimal health. For over 30 years, Metagenics has been dedicated to scientific discovery, innovative products, unparalleled quality, education, and practitioner partnerships to support lifestyle functional nutrition. For more information, visit them at metagenics.com. New Frontiers is also proud to be sponsored by Biotics Research Corporation. The foundation of Biotics Research Corporation is innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts and product development, utilizing advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques to develop and produce gluten-free nutritional products of superior quality and effectiveness. The advantages of Biotics Research Vegetable Culture Base include biologically active, whole food, consistent disintegration for proper assimilation, suitability for strict vegetarians, and improved product stability. Biotics Research emulsified nutrients represent a more cost-effective means of delivering nutrients than mycelized, dry, or oily preparations, and are safely and more completely absorbed. Biotics Research provides the best of science and nature. Visit them at BioticsResearch.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald. We're interviewing the best minds in functional medicine, and as always, today isn't, is no exception. I am delighted to be with J.J. Virgin, really kind of an amazing woman in general, and certainly one of the pillars of functional medicine. Let me give you a little bit of her background. She, I, I received this bio from them that opens with the quote uh, from J.J., your body is not a bank account, it's a chemistry lab that JJ that's a really cool quote
1: no, thank you <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I like I like the this is the first bio I've gotten that, that that has a quote up above anyway she's a celebrity nutritionist and fitness expert I know you know all that she teaches clients how to eliminate food and carbon tolerances so they can transform their health and their lives she's been doing that forever um, she's the co-host of TLC's freaky eaters and health expert on dr. Phil uh, she's a prominent TV and media personality and she's been on TV all over the place from PBS to Today Show and and so on and so forth. She's got, I really, I think everything you've written basically has become a New York Times bestseller. So she's got five of them here. We're going to be talking about her latest book, uh, Miracle Mindset aka Warrior Mom, and it shows how Warrior Mom, or it shows Warrior Moms how to be strong, positive leaders for their families while exploring the inspirational lessons that JJ learned as she fought for her son's, her own son's life. Um, She also hosts the Popular podcast, uh, JJ Virgin's Lifestyle Show. She writes for Huffington Post, Rodale, Mind Body Green, and other blogs. Um, she's a business coach. She has the whole Mindshare Summit, which a lot of us functional medicine folks are involved with. And you can find, I think, links to all of this, all of the various irons and these myriad fires at her website, which is jjvirgin.com dot com. JJ, welcome to New Frontiers.
1: Thank you. Good to be here. I think we planned this, what, like, I don't know, a year ago.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that you're right. I am it's finally that it's actually coming to fruition. I'm Yay. really I'm really excited to talk to you about this um just this really incredibly powerful, important work, and uh, and you know, and just bring it to the professional space. You know, specifically the audience. You know, all these various functional medicine clinicians and docs we have. You went through this, um, you know, this journey with your son, and it's transformed, I think, you know, your existence on the planet. So, can you can you just talk to me about that?
1: Yeah, and I will tell you that my son is alive today because of this community and that's what's super cool is um i mean and it's just it's just the reality i did an sos email and call out from the hospital and people came in droves which i'll share and that's that's why he's around and that's what's so powerful about what we do and us being a community that's the the key most important thing so right about gosh a month before the virgin diet was getting ready to come out and the important piece here is i had put everything into that book and my friends in the functional medicine world are like it's an elimination diet i go yeah but i made it simple and sexy and that's it. takeaway is so often we kind of get bogged down in all the clinical scientific et cetera and we forget that there's a patient a client at the end that needs to know what to do and be motivated to do it so right. you we know, you always we're always marketing and selling if it's just to get someone to eat their broccoli it's yes amazing. right 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 yeah so, absolutely yeah so I was getting ready to get that book out and I had put everything into it um I was coaching with Brendan Burchard Dr. Daniel Amen had um convinced me to do a PBS show. He was spot on. And I'd done that. I mean, I had just
0: Mm. done
1: everything. I lined up a huge online campaign, basically all of the advance, which I consider marketing money. I always consider the book advances to be marketing money. I would taken all of that Mm -hmm. um, and some and put it all into this because I just felt like this could really go out there and make an impact in the world. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be my thing, my big thing. Well, I'm the sole financial support for my kids. and mm-hmm. My ex-husband doesn't support us. I support him, which is totally fine, but, you know, was a problem at the time. <laughs>
0: sure, yeah. And
1: um, I have, my kids were 15 and 16. So there's the stage that needs to be set. My son goes out at uh, dusk to go walk, I think, to a friend's house. We're still not really sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: in crossing the street, he gets hit by a car. Now, all we know, because it was a hit and run, and this woman Gets out of her car, at which point my neighbor drives up and sees this woman standing, you know, out looking back. You know, he heard the impact, saw this woman out of her car, saw this woman get back in her car and drive off. And fortunately, he pulled up and protected my son against any more oncoming traffic and called 911 when we stumbled upon the scene which thank god we did otherwise he would have died in the hospital as a john doe god that's
0: Um, a miracle in itself
1: there were so many miracles and that's what i think i think in life you know you can look at things two different ways you could look at it as the victim going oh my gosh i can't believe this happened to me or it could be oh my gosh i can't believe this happened to me you know it's like and go, there were so many things along the way that had to come into play to save him right and so, and this was the first one, my um, ex-husband and my other son, who's 15, and they, you know, my sons look like Irish twins, right? And they were driving down the street, saw this accident, knew my other son was out walking, stopped and asked the the cops what had happened. And the cop literally looked right at my other son, Bryce, the 15-year-old, and said, a boy was walking, a boy got hit and he looked just like him. So We rushed to the hospital, but we didn't know what we were facing. They wouldn't tell us anything over the phone. Um, We'd called my ex-husband's family or both uh, his, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are both doctors. Crazy enough, my sister-in-law had um, gone to med school with the doctor who saved my son's life. I mean, it's just crazy. All the weird little, you know, one degrees, right? Yeah. We get to this first hospital the doctor and this is this is a lesson in how not to behave like the worst bedside manner ever yep. so it, this is a um, er doc in a in the trauma center in the desert now you've got to consider it's the desert and he's used to dealing with people 60 70 80 so 16 year old kid comes in torn aorta multiple brain bleeds deep coma and literally he had 13 fractures. He had bones sticking out of his, like he was, I was looking, going, Oh my gosh, that those, those are bones sticking through his skin. You know, it was covered in road rash. He was raw on one side of his body. And the doctors, we didn't see him at first. The doctors brought us into a conference room, sat us down and proceeded to say, so what happened tonight? Why was your son out walking? And we're like, not giving us any information. Right. So I stopped that and said, "What is going on?" And he told us that, you know, my son had a torn aorta. He needed the surgery because the brain bleeds. He had to have surgery without blood thinners. They didn't do it there, and so we were going to have to let him go because, in sometime over the next twenty-four hours, the aorta would rupture and he'd be gone. Hmm. Right? This is what he's telling us. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is me, my ex-husband, and my fifteen-year-old son who is like Yoda. He's about eighty. You know, he's <laughs> going on 80. Now he's really 80. And we're listening to this. And the the good news is, you know, we got all the scams, we sent them over to John's brother and sister-in-law who were standing by. And we come back to the doctor and we we're like, um, we want to airlift him to this other doctor we had heard about. And he goes, Oh, no, no, he'll never survive an airlift, another one. And even if he were to, he wouldn't survive the surgery. And even if he survived both of those, the chance that he would be normal or so slim, he's so brain damaged. And my 15 year old son looks over at this doctor. And to me, Kara, this is an amazing thing because you know how people put doctors up on the pedestal and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, our whole family and friends are all doctors. So I think probably some of this is Bryce. Bryce is very left analytical brain, but also that he's used to being around this community and thinking this way. So he says, so maybe a 0.25% chance he'd make it. And the doctor said, yep, yeah, that sounds about right, son. And Bryce looked at this doctor and said, we'll take those odds. Right. And uh, we did, we've did. we done a lot of TV shows about this. He said on one of the shows, he goes, well, 0.25 isn't zero, right? That's right and that's right. I keep thinking about that, Kara. I'm like, how could any parent let their son go, let a child go, let a loved one go, if there's even a 0.25%. That's all you need is some glimmer of hope, right?
0: It's like you were, it's like you were faced with these incredible challenges and then these miracles like over and over. So he is hit, you know, in the worst way by this hit and run. But then this miracle that your, your ex-husband and your son and your son happens to look exactly like him show up and you're directed to the hospital. Right, And then, you know, you have this, this doctor and we could have a whole podcast on, you know, bedside manner and and he just throws this serious, painful, difficult wrench into the plans and really doesn't support you. But then your son rises to this incredible challenge and says,
1: no. Yeah. And we, thankfully my ex-husband's a med mal attorney. So we said the right things to get him to get into action. Good. Um, (laughs) Yes. But, you know, he, he wrote, it's interesting because we have the medical report.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And tell me.
1: This doctor was so angry. The things he wrote in there, I told him not to do this. I advised him against this. I told him that he would die. And I'm looking at the doctor. Wow. I go, He's going to die here no matter what. Correct? Like, so, I mean, okay. so, so he dies on an airlift. I'd rather know I tried. Yes. Back off. Um, so we airlift him and we leave the hospital and grabbed some stuff from the house and drove separately. My son stayed home and we drove to the hospital and it was a two and a half hour drive to this hospital in LA Harbor, UCLA, and not knowing if we were going there to pick up a corpse or if we were going there and he, he'd still need to survive the airlift. We walk into the waiting room at Harbor, UCLA, which I didn't know was like, Uh, It's where all the homeless people go when it's cold. So yeah, so it was like, it was like the bad bar at Star Wars. I mean, it was like, it Mm. smelled, it was just unbelievable. We walk in there, don't know if he's alive. They usher us into a room, such a different scene than what we'd seen over at um, Desert Hospital. It is full court press. And what I found out later was when the doctor and Palm Deserts or Palm Springs started sending out the facts about this and requesting that a hospital take the case, the doctor who my uh, sister-in-law knew not only took the case at midnight, right, accepted the case, cardiothoracic surgeon, he recruited four other teams mm-hmm. he went and got a stint that he it was no longer even available It was part of a study he was doing but that's the one he wanted to use so he finds it now he's like doing this at two three in the morning he's finding it and it's not supposed to be using kids he said i figured i'd ask for forgiveness he does all of this stuff gets the ortho team he gets the neuro team he gets the trauma team and the pediatric trauma team he you know and you know once a hospital accepts the case the other hospital is like you know, done washing their hands of it. So there's accepting a case where there is a 0.25% chance. Right. And he is, he is convincing everybody. I don't know anything about this. When I walk in, this man walks up to me, Dr. Carlos Donair. He's the star of you are stronger than you think. I'm like, this man is the most amazing man ever. our hero. He walks up and he goes, you the mom, you know, of course, I'm like completely shell shocked. He goes, listen, you do not need to worry. I totally got this. I do this all the time. I've had six, six of these I've done in the last month. I had someone thrown off an overpass, fixed them. I go, let's go. I'm going to show you where I'm going to do this. Because he was trying to get me out of the room because it was like five surgical teams prepping him for surgery. It's five in the morning. Walks me over to the OR. He goes, this is where we're going to be doing it. And I'm going to take you over to the waiting room. And I'll come get you in a couple hours to tell you everything's fine. And I just went, you're right. I'm like, okay. That's, that, that sounds great. I'll go do that. <laughs> you know? Amazing. Oh, I know he, I said, boy, not only he goes around the country and teaches how to do put in a stint without a blood thinner, but I'm like, you really need to go around the country and teach people how to have this bedside manner because, you know, hey, he didn't know if he was going to, if what, what he was going to really be able to do here. I'm sure he had great confidence, but you never know, but you know what difference would have made for me sitting there for two to three hours thinking, you know, preparing for the worst or hoping, yes. for the best, which is going yes. to be, better, you
0: know, right. so empowering. What? Let me just throw out there before you continue that you are stronger than you think is your documentary, which is available. So let's check it out, folks.
1: Thank okay. you. Yeah, I did that um, with my producer, who's done all of my public television shows. And when I was writing this book, um and by the way like i totally didn't think this went through like i totally didn't think it through i'm writing the book and this is not an easy book to write and then i decide i should really do a documentary because it goes way beyond brain injury i mean it's frustrating enough the way we treat brain injury it is absolutely ridiculous and hopefully i will have some small um help in changing that and i'll tell you more about that as we mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this, because it's just It's just horrifying how we handle that. But the bigger message out there is really around hope and resilience and how much our mindset has to do with every bit of our life. You know, Tony Robbins says it's 80%. I think it's 95%. I I think, you know, if you believe you can do something, guess what? And if you believe you can't, guess what? So massive. Yes.
0: you know, you're right. I'm
1: writing this book and doing this movie and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm reliving it every single minute. I was like, bad plan, bad plan. Was not healing. It actually didn't start to get healing until I started to help other people Uh, go through this as well and, and go through their own journeys. But back to Grant is now um, survives the, the surgery, survives the airlift. He survives the surgery. Dr. Carlos Donaire walks into the waiting room. Three hours later, he goes, okay, I'm done. Uh, stints in it's fine he's everything's good there he goes now I'm just the plumber I have no idea if he'll ever wake up so it's like you're like yay oh no right yep (laughs) we go in yeah we go in we get to see him and it was interesting we're standing there in the hospital in the First of all, we were in the adult ICU before we got to the Pete ICU. And the adult ICU at Harbor UCLA is a very scary place. There are people handcuffed to the bed, gunshot wounds. I mean, it's a lot of gang members. It's really scary. He was in the corner. We had to mask up, glove up, everything, huge infection risk. And we had you know, tubes out of everywhere, tube out of the brain pumping out the pressure and um, keeping the pressure steady and all those bells and alarms and everything going off. And um, I'm standing there, and he's got one hand and a couple fingers I can actually touch. Everything else is casted bandaged, like, you know, covered. And miraculously, his face is fine, too. So his face is fine, except he's super swollen. He looks like the Incredible Hulk. And I held on to his fingers, and I said, Grant, you know, we love you so much. And it, no, no response. You know, it's just the beeping of all the stuff and the ventilator going. And uh, I said, Grant, your girlfriend, Mackenzie, loves you. And his little fingers start to <laughs> squeeze, right? And I'm like, and they're like, he's in a deep coma, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I felt that. I felt mm-hmm. that. So I tested someone I knew wouldn't mean anything to him and nothing happened again. And then I said, your brother is fighting for you. He says to fight. And he grabs my fingers and my hand and he lifts it up. Mm. And you know, I just stood there and I went, mm. he, is, he is in here. And I said, Grant, your name, I didn't know this at the time. Your name means warrior, and you got to fight. Listen, I'm going to get everybody we need to fix this, and you're going to be better than before. You're going to be 110%, but your part, I will fight. We're all fighting. We're all here, and I need you to fight. You cannot give up. You have to fight and just know that you're going to be better than before. And that was kind of how I went through the rest of this, and I go through it every day from then because a brain injury doesn't end, right? Um, Is with that total belief and and asking the right question of how do I get my son to be 110%? How do I get this situation that we went through, which is the parent's worst nightmare, Mm -hmm. and how do I make it the best thing that ever happened to him, to our family, and then take that out to the world so that this wasn't just something that happened and it sucked, you know, mm-hmm. I, rather it had a reason that it happened and it had a purpose and it did something big for all of us. And that's, that's what I've been going out with. And honestly, Kara, that saved me during the really horrific dark times so that we follow.
0: That's, you started to, that seed, that, that, that transformation of how you were thinking, really started from that moment that you felt I mean when did it when did it kick in I mean it just like when you it feel his finger right? yeah it, it
1: kicked in at that when I started to feel his finger wow. well and a crazy thing wow. that had happened right at that same time that's just it, it, I'm a super left brain person I mean just from that quote you heard your body's not a bank account it's a chemistry lab everything <laughs> is math and chemistry like you know And I've always been super left brain. My son Bryce is super left brain. And so if you couldn't prove it to me, I was not buying it. And I was standing in the hospital and I got a text from a client of mine who didn't even know I had kids. And um, she said, you know, I got, Grant came to me in a dream last night and told me to tell my mom not to worry about me, that she needed to fight for me, but that to not worry. And, uh, you know, and she texted me this and she goes, she'd seen my post on Facebook where I reached out to everybody for help. She goes, I didn't know who he was talking about. I didn't know who his mom was until I saw the post. And I'm like, what? You know, and again, Karen, this stuff to me is like, really, this sounds ridiculous. Except, yeah made so many of these things happen that I now... It, it, well,
0: and the timing is crazy. It's yeah, just I mean, come on. It's completely freakish.
1: It's completely <laughs> freakish. You want to hear another completely yeah, freakish? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Let's go there. Um, well, first off, like I have always been fascinated by all the coma stuff and the, and the near-death experiences. I think they're so cool. Now, Grant knew nothing about them. 16-year-old kid, he'd never studied any of the stuff, so he didn't know. I, there was nothing in there for him to know the stuff. Way after the fact, he said, you know, when you and dad were in the waiting room and I was in surgery and dad was in there and he was wearing that red shirt, and he's describing all this, right? Mm. Now, John changed when we went back from, you know, the first hospital. So Grant didn't know what shirt he was wearing. He hadn't been right. wearing it earlier that day. He did not know we were in a waiting room. He didn't like, he didn't know any of this stuff he's describing. He described um, places in the hospital that he'd never been to, <laughs> crazy stuff. And I had someone, uh, Stephen Sinatra sent this energy healer who'd had nearly died and come back. He was like doing things, helping me through this. And and he said, you know, he leaves his body. Sometimes he's there and sometimes he won't be there. And I can tell you, I knew when I'd walk in and I could feel him. And I knew when he wasn't there. And weird, crazy stuff. But you read it too many times when you start to read these, you know, stories of people who are in a coma. So I was... Really um, wasn't aware of that at the time, but what I did believe at the time is that he was there and that he knew everything that was going on and that he could hear everything. And I made darn sure to manage everything going around, uh, around him. And I'd always done that in my life. Like I'm a, big believer in managing your environment and keeping negative negativity out, whether it's people (laughs) or news or whatever. So, but I was very careful there. We had a doctor walk in and he had a crushed heel and the doctor's like, you know, they, they were doing all these things to try to fix this crushed heel and he had pins sticking out of it. They were hanging it and he goes, you know, I'm just trying to get him to be able to walk again. And I go, I had him like took him out of the room said, don't talk to him, talk about that in front of him. And uh, you know, I want you to treat him like Kobe Bryant. If Kobe Bryant were in bed right now, you wouldn't be trying to help him walk again, You'd right. working on him as an athlete. That's where I want you to be. And if you can't be, then you're not the right doctor for this.
0: Ah, uh, you go girl. Okay. So right? that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly, it's just very empowering, but yeah. Okay. So keep going.
1: <laughs> so, uh, well, so he's, He's now, he gets transferred to the pediatric ICU. He's in the middle of it. These doctors at Harbor UCLA, um, wow, this first doctor stayed there. He was supposed to go home after six hours. He stayed 24 hours, stayed up all night, made sure everything was going fine because Grant's kidneys were at risk for failing and just was incredible. And uh, we just had people around 24-7. And I knew really quickly and this was one of my big lessons I've always been one of those people who loves to help everybody else and never wants to ask for help and I think we're all pretty much like that especially in the healing professions right right but I knew looking at Grant that this was way beyond anything I could ever do and that I needed some help and I literally wrote a letter that is in uh, the movie and in the book where I explain what was going on. I said, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm looking for support. I need to know the latest, greatest, like quickly as to what we can do here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Hey, pray. I had every, I had every religion represent. I want everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so, um, but fortunately for Grant, and I'm kind of on a crusade for this one. He was on higher-dose fish oil before the accident because he's got bipolar disorder. And i had been working with um, – the fun thing is I had spec scans with Dr. Uh-huh. So Daniel is a personal friend and his doc. So I had spec right. scans of, the, of him before the accident, and now I've had follow-up spec scans after the accident. Um, but he was also on high-dose fish oil. He, not high-high. He was only on five grams of fish oil pre-accident, but five grams, That's I think – a good amount. Yeah, it was, to me, the differentiator, you know, it protects your brain. And this is the big challenge is we don't know when we're going to hit our head. How would you know? Like, he wasn't playing football. He wasn't doing any things you would think would have been the problem. But who knows when something's going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I would bet that nearly everybody has had a TBI at some point. You know, we think of a traumatic brain injury as like you, you know, had a concussion and you you went into a and you were lost consciousness, but you can have a traumatic brain injury when you hit your head. You hit your head, you hurt your hurt your brain. Right.
0: That's right. That's right. So five grams, I mean that's a good that's a really good amount. I mean, you know, when I'm talking at at the immune module about um, you know, where we want to dose it for autoimmunity and so forth, I'm generally saying maybe two and a half to seven, but, you know, I, and I usually go two and a half to three, but five is his, you so know, five
1: was where he was then, but we went up a lot more. So yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Well, here's the challenges that happened. The first thing that we started to do because um, we were literally in the middle of the pediatric ICU, we had nurses and doctors there all day, all night and um, we had to be gloved, masked, everything. So it wasn't like I could decide what I wanted to do. I had to smuggle. The first thing that we started to do is I had um, friends, and I knew nothing about essential oils. Another thing I thought was just silly. Um, However, it was when I first started to notice him really – responding to things like wiggling his toes, wiggling his nose. So we started Jeez. doing some essential oils like immediately because we could do that. And the nurses were like, well, oh, well, I have those little oils. I'm like, okay. you know." <laughs> so we started doing that. We started rubbing some progesterone cream uh-huh. on and I didn't know, honestly, I I got some information from my girlfriend, Dr. Anna Kabeca, who had gone to um, Emory and that's where Dr. Donald Stein was who did this research. And so I emailed him because I was like, all right, it's, it's out progesterone. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I emailed him. I was outside of that first window that they'd done the study on. And he goes, well, the only reason we did, we didn't do it longer than that was because we didn't have the funding. And so I said, so hypothetically, cause I knew he couldn't really tell me, I said, if it was your family member, he goes, Oh, I'd have him on it w- w- way longer. So and how
0: would he dose it? Tell me that. What did, what
1: we did? So we had progesterone cream. So we, fortunately I had some of my own. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, perfect. perfect. Get it on him. So we just did progesterone cream. We ended up doing about 200 milligrams a day, topical. Um, at topical. I had no idea if it would do anything, but I figured at this point, like you got someone between life and death, it's yes. not going to hurt. You know, and that's that was the tough thing with the hospital. He'd been on five grams of fish oil. He was, of course, at first, you know, before he hacked up his feeding tube and um, we could actually do something. I couldn't get them to go past two grams of fish oil. Hmm because they were afraid of bleeding. He was on warfarin. And I'm like, but yep. there are no studies. I brought them everything. Dr. Barry Sears sent me the entire research packet. And I, you know, Dr. Michael Lewis, they'd all worked together on all of this. And I, they would not, but I gave it to them. They would not budge. I said, so, Once he he hacked up his own feeding tube, the minute that happened, I started bringing up his dose. Every time I knew we were going to run a blood test and look at his um, bleed times, I'd run up the dose and nothing would happen. Right. So I kept running up the dose. When we got to the next hospital, I told them he was on 20 grams and they didn't question it. They just did it because truthfully, he had so many medical records at that point that you know, yeah. So they weren't, weren't going to go through it. So and 20 they, were grams. More, oh, they were much more. They were much more open minded to it yeah. than the first hospital. First hospital, I couldn't get them past two. I probably got them up to about ten on my own because I was as minute spit is feeding too bad. I had fish oil pudding. I was making smoothies. I was, you know, I was just dragging in everything. I was like, it's my turn now. Game on, you know. Mm-hmm. But there was no refrigerator at the the hospital. So literally every day I had to lug in this cooler and the parking lot was under construction. So I'm like parking way far away in Torrance in this really bad neighborhood dragging coolers and I remember the nurse was like no one ever does this I'm like who would feed when the first words Kara that Grant said when he started speaking was disgusting <laughs> I, I was, was gonna to ask him. about that, that so <laughs> that's really like, funny yep is. is I'm like how could you if you're trying to heal your kid yes him pancakes and ensure I deliberately made yes. a sign on the wall that said no ensure they wanted to feed him they're like well what should he drink we've got crystal light I'm like crystal light God. He's got a brain injury. A yeah, crystal yeah. light. He's got. A, oh my gosh! Like
0: yeah. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Just the juxtaposition between hospital food and what you were doing in, and that just you know just just that alone is amazing so you went from energy medicine in the beginning because that's what you could do everybody's praying and you know and you have this and then you're able to bring in essential oils and you know you get them on you get them on a little bit of fish oil as much as they're willing to do and then you crank that up and you've got the progesterone
1: progesterone yeah yeah keep going We couldn't do, you know, I mean, in the hospital, as soon as he was able to eat, I started making him smoothies and throwing in probiotics and vitamin D and magnesium. I just like, and aminos. I did some special blended aminos and branch chain because he was so catabolic. I was like, oh my God, he's not going to, you know, he he was just losing so much muscle. And so I wanted to fix that. But um, I had to do the majority of it with food and nutrients. And it was it was that plus um, us being there, you know, us being around him. And I feel so fortunate. And I'll tell you, when I was at Children's Hospital LA, which is an amazing hospital, like Harbor UCLA, if you've if you've got a life and death injury, that is the hospital to go to. Number two trauma center in the country. I feel so blessed. And then Children's Hospital, what a what an amazing facility. We were on the sixth floor rehab center and it was um, kids with cancer walking around in their you know wheeling their chemo carts and also you know all these kids that were in there for months and it was I was there during Christmas time and I just you know remember like being there with him we'd wheel him around. We weren't allowed to take him off the floor because he was so violent as he was coming out of this brain injury at a twenty four hour a 24-7 um, security guard next to him. We had him in a zipped up posy bed and we had a, a, a cocktail, of Haldol, Ativan, and Benadryl. And whenever we saw, and I could see it coming, so I taught the nurses, you would see a little line down between his eyes and that meant the Incredible Hulk was coming out. We had like literally five minutes to get the cocktail into him or he would go absolutely berserk and he was dangerous. Hmm. And, but if we gave him not too much, his brain wouldn't heal. So it was a really tight little balance of things to do. But, you know, what was helping him the most was, I think, us being able to be around him and be familiar. And I just felt so fortunate that I'd built a laptop business. And, you know, I was there with with people who had either lost their jobs now, and they were staying at the Ronald McDonald house, um, or people who really couldn't mm. be that much and the parents weren't there and the kids were crying and like oh my gosh broke my heart um, but at some point along the way there and they had an amazing team of speech uh, pathologists and um, physical therapists speech therapists physical therapists they had just this occupational therapist I mean an incredible team that we all work together but at some point along the way I knew that if we could get him home he'd heal even faster Mm-hmm. And then he needed to be back home. And that's when we – and I also knew that once I got him home, it was game on, right, <laughs> that I could really do some things. And so when we got him home, we started doing um, hyperbaric oxygen. Wow. And we did some more intense um, – a lot of coordination training, a lot of, of exercise training. Um,
0: Any specific – type or program you want to mention
1: well we went to my buddy has a place called kinetics and he is both a physical therapist and um a um check therapist and he's got like he's he's just very integrated so it was a lot of very cool coordination exercises um daniel amon had us get a ping pong table we were doing that we did um different neurofeedback stuff so the biggest challenge we had is grant was like you know could only, it's, it's like having a baby. Mm-hmm. We had to start all over again when he first started to come out of coma, which I thought it'd be like the movies where you come out of coma, wake up and say, you know, hi mom. And that is not what happens. Right. And all that I was told at the hospital is that when he came out of the coma, he, um, it would be ugly. That was what I was told. It would be Jeez. ugly. I had no idea that it would be ugly for months, if not years. I didn't know that. I thought it would be ugly for like a minute. He'd scream.
0: Right, right. And so the
1: whole well, instruction process sounds like it could oh be my God. up considerably. They they from the very beginning, um, you know, and again, no one knows. Like we had no idea all the way along if this was as far as he would get. Like when he first came out of the coma, he stared off into space and he moved one arm back and forth. And this went on for days. And I thought, oh my gosh. And then I thought, well, huh, I'm gonna start like I just started doing and it just intuitively thought I just got to wake up all the senses. So, you know, we were continuing with the essential oils. I was sneaking in things. He still had a a feeding tube at the time, but I was like putting um, popsicles on his lips. I wanted him to feel temperature and taste. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was doing massage and we had a girlfriend and acupuncturist doing acupressure. We were doing music. We're doing everything we could think of to start waking things up but we had to do it very similar to when you have a baby where you stimulate them and then you back off because otherwise we overstimulated it was a problem and so any
0: essential any sense i know people somebody's going to ask about the essential oils that use like any particular sense
1: that were clearly i wrote all about that in um document and it's old i really need to at some point redo this but at grantvirgin.com we we have a document where I wrote down everything, because we were using all sorts of different blends. Um, I know I did a lot of lavender, but but we had a whole blend that uh, this Dr. Dr. Ann Meyer, who works out of the Brain Trauma Center over at Cedar, she came over like the first week, and she'd been at my conferences before. So when she walked in the door, I recognized her, but I really wasn't sure who the heck she was. And she just became my angel. She'd come over every Friday night. And that was like, pity party night for me because it's you're in the hospital no one's there it's you know and who knows i'm now looking at grant and he's not the progress is like watching grass grow
0: really right, right. And, uh,
1: and she'd always tell me what was going on and how great it was and how positive it was and everything was going to be going to be great and i'm like all right i'm going to just go with what you said but she was the one who brought me all the oils because she'd been using them for years in the brain unit so the trauma unit wow so, we talked about which ones were in there because it was a variety that we used. Um, Okay. And you know, here's the other part of all that. One of the biggest things when you've got a family member going through something is, is feeling like you've got a number one, have hope. Number two, have a big goal that, I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to go for 110%. If he, if he makes it to 70, it's a lot better than, you know, where he yeah. was, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm just going to go for big. And and if we don't quite make it, it's totally cool. Um, but it gives you something to work for. And then you've just got to feel like you have things that you can do. And so that was one of the great things. This was something that I could do right away. I also saw him reacting to it, which was even better. Yeah. But it gave us something to do. We used a lot of... Um, lavender and essential oils on all of his I mean he had so many cuts I was digging glass out of his body for months Mm -hmm. um so we would use it on all the cuts too to help with the healing so
0: it's amazing I mean that that's the trudging right like right there where you're just watching grass grow and would you know again what a really amazing piece that this woman came to you and said
1: hey you know, She's pack. another I, angel. Yeah. I, You know, it's really made me think, Kara, because I go, gosh, would I do that? Like, these people, I want to be this person. Like, I look at where yeah. I want to be in my life, and I want to be that selfless, that generous, that kind. I mean, I just wow. – there were people that drove for hours to come and visit who we didn't know to pray really? over. Them. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, there's there are people, Dr. Suzanne Bennett and Dr. Hyla Cass, that just – kept coming in and helping out. And I'm like, just, you know, just amazing, Mm. amazing people. But once we got him home, uh, I'm really fortunate. I have a buddy who years ago, um, he's a urologist, but he got very interested in stem cells and he started studying stem cells and he created this franchise called Stem Cell Revolution. And his office is in Rancho Mirage. And when Grant came out, he goes, let's do stem cells on him. Now, when we first did them, He drew him, and then he did an IV. Mm -hmm. And I started researching and discovered that there were places doing them directly into the spine. We weren't allowed to do this yet in the US. I was actually going to go do this in Mexico. Um, Since then, we've been allowed to, uh, if we're part of a study. So what we've been doing now for the last two years is we drew his stem cells, we got them from fat, we grew them in New Jersey, and then we had them injected into the spine. And here's what's crazy about this. The first time we did it, he went completely off the rails. We actually had to 5150 him. And I'm watching this whole thing and I'm thinking it was just like when he started to wake up out of the coma and his brain started healing rapidly. And it's really like a baby when you give it too much stimulation and then they have to cry and or a tantrum to blow off the steam. It's very similar to that. Hmm. And so I'm watching this. I'm trying to figure it out. And I call up, I send out an SOS email to everybody, to all my friends in the field, all the brain docs, I go, all right, anyone have an idea? And Dr. Carrie Deales said, you know, I've been using stem cells. She's a spinal surgeon. And at 72 hours, which is right when it started to happen because of them differentiating, we start to see people whose limbs have been dead. They start to scream because the pain's excruciating. (sighs) And I went there. It is. That's it. That's it. So we've done it now three times. So I was ready the second time. I'm like, all right, you know, we're ready. If we have to go to padded room, really we will. Um, but that has been an amazing game changer, and I'm so excited about the potential for stem cells here. And here's what I will tell you: that's that we've got to change out there. Um, when Grant, when Grant was in the hospital, and again Harbor UCLA. An amazing trauma center, and uh, the one of the doctors, this woman a doctor of his, said, "You know, there's nothing you can do to heal the brain." She says, "It's just time." Mm. Literally telling this, he's Wrong. in the but he'll come back and he'll eat a he'll eat a burger with me, and I'm like looking at her, going, "Really? There's nothing we can do to help?" And she goes, "Nope, not a thing." Now, Kara, I know hearing this that there's nothing I can do with her. Like right. the minute I heard that, I'm like you know, I'm like, just, just, this is a door that's closed. We will just go through the window. Like clearly she doesn't know what she doesn't know. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so I just was like, all right, well, if that's your belief, then there's no, I'm not going to, I'm just going to go around you. But that's the common belief out there. And I remember I had a really bad car accident and, and, uh, passed out, hit my head. And the doctor just said, it's just a tincture of time. That's all you can do a tincture of time. (laughs) But that's the reigning thought out there is that it's a, it's all you can do. Um, you know, it's just time and whatever you, wherever you get to in the first three years is as far as you're going. And both those things are absolutely so ridiculously wrong. Right. You know, so right. well, it's if, a
0: product of, you know, a, a, a very limited toolkit, a, a, an essential toolkit, obviously, for the whole, the emergency component. But then beyond that, it's so limited.
1: Yeah, I but mean, then i am doing the emergency. So the emergency component, like first thing should be fish oil. Emergency. Yeah, com- right, now right. we've seen enough. First thing is okay. fish oil, yep. you know, there. and then, uh, and, and damn, I'd be doing stem cells right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the I'm, progesterone. I'd yeah, you're right. right. You're like, right. Yep. did it. Yeah, you've got a fire. Put yep. it out. So you know. So that's got to be. Stuck. And well, no crystal light. Skip the crystal light. Let's yeah. Let's just not do the crystal light. I don't know. Call me crazy that we shouldn't have aspartame with a brain, <laughs> unstable brain. You know, it's amazing to me. Here's the sad part. Why is crystal light in a hospital? Right. Yeah. Like, why? And it's it's a children's hospital. Like. I don't know any kid that would benefit from that. I don't know any human that would benefit from it, but especially like sick kids, really, really sad. Um, but, you know, those are the things that we can do that, could, that are game changers. And then long-term, Grant's actually intuitively done stuff that this was not who he was before the accident. He started working with plants and getting out in the dirt.
0: Oh, wow. Isn't that Interesting.
1: Amazing! Like built all these hydroponic things. I was like, I, you know, but all he self studied it. He's in the dirt. Well, who
0: was he before? Just like real little snapshot. Like juxtapose it. I'm curious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he was a pretty typical teenager with a girlfriend. Um, you know, playing video games. He, he okay. was my kid, that put me through it. You know, he was my. Yeah. I have one kid who is the kid who like gets the straight A's and never has never gotten in trouble and tells mommy she's such a good mommy and then i the other one who's like you're a bad mom and you know he's like and so he was being that kind of he he was alternating between sweet and bratty teenager and you know going off with his friends and watching playing video games you know kind of typical typical typical. or there you know he wasn't out building hydroponic (laughs) setups all over the backyard this backyard (laughs) at this house that i that that he lives in with my ex-husband. I just kind of had to let it go. I go in there. I'm like, oh my God, wow. it, it, the backyard, they, they decided they were going to build a, dig a big pond in the backyard. They just dug up the grass. You know, they, it's just like, I went, you know what? This actually doesn't matter. <laughs> He's alive. He can dig in the dirt. So he does that. And he also does a lot of meditation. Now, again, wow. this is a video game. He doesn't play video games at all. Like not at all. He does meditation he reads, he does um, plants. And this, the biggest challenge I see that I see across the board, you know, brain injuries, uh, there's something like 5 million people at any time um, every year who are just suffering from symptoms. I mean, some will be for the rest of their lives, some are transient. Um, but the biggest challenge is isolation. I think, I think actually the biggest challenge to our health right now, it's toxicity, stress, and isolation. It's like that trifecta Mm. is going to take us down. I mean, I think you've heard the study about social isolation being the equivalent of smoking, I think, like a pack of cigarettes a day. Um, and so that's the one I worry about the most with, with him is that piece of it. And I haven't been able to really crack how to fix that one yet, but, um, because it's just, it's hard to put them all in a support group because they're all a little bit, you know, challenged right now. Um, coming through a brain injury. So it's, that is the biggest tough piece of it. And hopefully Kevin Pierce has done a lot with the love your brain foundation, really helping with that through yoga. So.
0: Okay. Well, keep us posted because I, you know, I'm really confident you guys are going to crack this one. You know, just you're
1: trying, I got like a cool, you know, between, uh, Kevin and Adam. And then I've been working with Dan Engel and, and Michael Lewis and just I'm trying to bring a lot of us together so that we can do something. But I think the most important piece of this is to realize that this is, it's something that once you have it, your body's a history book. So you need to know yes. it. It's like, it was very interesting, Kara, you'll appreciate this. And I thought this doctor, I'm like, I can't believe he said this to me. Um, Grant gained like 30 pounds in two months, and I'd been out of town. I come back, and I'm like, "What happened here?" And I sent him in to get some labs, and I send him to our local integrative. This is the guy who heads up our local integrative, um, our functional medicine department. Sadly enough, in uh, the desert, and he, I send him in to him, and he says to me, "You know, he just needs to. You're gonna, stous, don't. I hope you're you're sitting down. Don't fall off your chair." He says, JJ, he just needs to eat less and exercise more.
0: Mm.
1: Now, I said, I said, well, he has not changed his diet, which is super healthy, gluten-free, dairy-free. He eats, he eats the way I teach him to when he's active. And he hasn't changed that in two months when he's gained 30 pounds. I said his insulin was 19. Jeez. His testosterone for a 20-year-old was 300, his, um, you know, and a couple other markers like this, I go, I think that, um, you know, he's got a brain injury like your son does. And I think he probably has some hormonal dysregulation, which happens. And he goes, Oh, no, it's just a calorie thing. And I'm like, all
0: right. Mm.
1: (laughs) So we had to go, we went and worked with this um, really great Navy SEAL, uh, now doc working with PTSD and brain injuries, Dr. Kirk Parsley and got his hormones back on track and everything everything normalized everything normalized but you know these are just things we need to know is that um you know brain injuries there's some amazing things you can do you can be i think better because of all this our whole family is but it's uh it's not something that you just throw to time to, to heal right absolutely not it's
0: extremely active um you have given us so many resources. You're just throwing names out and, and ideas. And I and, and I just want to assure everybody that we are going to harvest these and we'll make sure they're in the show notes. So
1: oh, great. And one more, Kara. Well, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Tell last me.
1: one, I promise. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Well, actually tell me like, I mean, we'll, we'll give them the website, your website, the grantvirgin.com website, Stem Cell Revolution. I mean, we'll just harvest them, and I'll just be in contact with you. Yeah, because
1: Michael Lewis has a great book, um, When Brains Collide, and um, okay, and then um, Dan Engle has uh, Concussion Repair Manual. But one more I'd be so mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't name, talk about CBD because... Uh, oh,
0: okay, yeah. Yeah,
1: he's on CBD, has been on CBD and for... And where
0: are you getting it? Like, what's your CBD source?
1: Well um, I actually, yes, I will have it all dialed in because we found an amazing CBD source and we're actually now putting it together with Omega threes and then we're bringing it out through designs for health. Oh, you are. Yeah. Because we were having so much trouble finding really good sources. We've been doing this for years and it got very challenging. And then I met someone who has a direct source and i was working between him and jonathan lazat i mean mm-hmm. let's put together a cbd omega-3 product so that's what we're coming out awesome
0: with. i'm, I'm totally time. totally stoked Go I and we know, well right? everything is is with you is that you know you're wa- you're observing his response i mean it sounds like even now it there's a there's a fairly clear, observable shift. Oh, yeah. You can sort of, you can tell, is this working yeah. or is this not? And you're going to yeah. know pretty quickly. So you're like vetting all of this. And so I appreciate, you know, the product that you found, if it's working for him, that it's going to work for us. Um, okay, so listen, you came up, you, so you write this whole book, you develop this you know, you're calling it the miracle mindset or the warrior mom. I think it's like the warrior human. I would expand it out. Just this (laughs) really amazing way to just harness what you've, what you've been through and put it out there. And you actually mentioned early on in passing that that was your healing process. You know, I mean, I can't, you know, listening to you tell this story and I listened to an interview earlier where you were, you know, talking this through again. And I'm like, Damn, you know, just the fact that you're moving through such a huge experience. But I hear you bring in levity, I hear you bring in this insight and this wisdom. And, you know, so 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 this has been a very deeply transformative process. And you harnessed this and put it out there. And I just, you know, I asked you earlier to talk a little bit about how we as clinicians can bring this into our healing space with our clients, with our patients. Um, but just also, you know, some of the key things about Uh, you know, practicing this ourselves, you know, just bringing this into existence.
1: So here's where I lucked up. When I was 30, I was in, I think, grad school number three.
0: (laughs) um, You're in functional medicine for sure. Forever.
1: (laughs) And I kept jumping schools. You know, I started out in exercise science. I was all the way up in doctoral school in exercise science, took a nutrition class, went, oh my gosh, jumped over to that. So I was in, uh, I I, I think I was in sports med at University of Miami at the time. And I'm, I was personal training my way through school and I was walking down the beach with a client and she goes, so what are you going to do after grad school? And I go, well, I'll go. um," Oh no, first she goes, why are you in graduate school? And I go, well, I want to make a bigger impact. I want to help more people. And she goes, huh? Now this is a self-made multimillionaire woman. And uh, she goes, huh? So what are you gonna do when you graduate? I go, I'm going to go get my PhD. She's like, Huh? Why are you going to do that? I go so I can help more people. She goes, you know, that doesn't necessarily correlate. I, I go, it doesn't. She goes, no. She goes, if you want to be successful, I'll teach you how. Okay, so self-made multimillionaire woman unicorn, right?
0: Yeah. I'm like
1: awesome. I'm in. I literally dropped out of my phd my uh, doctoral or my grad school at that time went over moved into her house sold my business jeez sold my personal training business and i'm all in and this is my personality type i'm an all in person so i'm all in and i think she's going to teach me how to be a successful businesswoman i am so ready like day 1 and day 1 she asked me put a rubber band around my wrist and every time i think a negative or limiting thought i have to snap it <laughs> and i'm thinking i have made a big mistake here you know <laughs> Were and you like before, red and raw, or was it? You know, so- oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Trust me, but that was like one of her important things was really manage your environment. You heard me talk about this,
0: yeah. And
1: for six months, she taught me mindset, mm. and it was she was my Mr. Miyagi. You know, here I'm. I want to learn the business strategies. Like you're not ready. You're not ready. And what was so crazy is I went through this whole situation with Grant. Where I managed my environment, where I got up every morning and I went through what I was grat- grateful for. Every night I'd walk out of that hospital and I go, "What went well today?" I managed my mindset. I managed my environment. Like you know, I never focused on the limitations. She always taught me your limitations would become your life. I never looked at at him as a victim. Mm. She always said there are no victims, only volunteers. I just had all this stuff so deep mm. in me, right, that I forgot where it came from because it was it became me Mm -hmm. and until i was doing an interview like a year ago and someone said how did you get all of this stuff in you and i'm like um and all of a sudden i went oh my gosh like Mm. (laughs) that was how and so the big thing i would say is you know, at first, when I was going through this, and I was in the hospital, and you know, when your kid's in, in the ICU, you can't go in if you're sick. And I decided that first day that the only way I was going to be able to take care of my son, take care of my other son, and make that book go because it had to go to pay for all this, yeah. was to make my health and put myself first, which was sounds selfish, but is really selfless. And I thought it was because I was so healthy, right? But that was a mindset move too. So I would tell you that the single biggest thing that you can do to help your patient is to help them have the belief in themselves, help them look past the limitations, understand the limitations are in their minds, help them start to have little wins every single day and to focus on those little wins, help them get into action. I just coached, we created an academy to help people with this. And I had a woman say, I've been in this job for 20 years and I really want to move into the functional medicine field and, and, You know, it's like, I go, you can't do this staying at your job. And, you know, you can't course correct standing still. You got to get moving. And to look at all these things and go, wow, I don't know, Kara, one person in my life who I admire who hasn't gone through some serious crap. Mm -hmm. And and I also don't know one time in my life where things were easy and going really well and I grew. I became a better person because of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like the day my book hit New York Times status, I didn't become a better person. I became a better person when my son got hit and I decided to stand up and fight for him. You know, I became a better person when he had bipolar disorder. And I remember first I told the doctor, I'm not strong enough to handle this. And He goes, well, you better get stronger. And when I made that mindset shift of, of things aren't going to be easier, they actually, the big fat lie is that as you do more in life, it gets easier. It doesn't get easier. It never gets easier. But if you look at the most successful people in life, they're resilient. They've gone through it and they've gotten stronger. That's it.
0: That's just, I mean, I don't know. I, I want to give you a round Got of nothing applause. to say. <laughs> 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 Oh, it's so funny! I know. I'm just taking it all in. I just really feel like our conversation today, quite frankly, has been a real gift, and I appreciate it. I just really appreciate you. I'm glad we hung in there and got our schedules. (laughs) It took us over a year, and I just so appreciate all that you've offered today. I mean, I appreciate your journey and just your honesty and your courage. And you know, the the folks listening to it, the clinicians listening to this, will really be appreciative of this list of you know incredible incredible tools that we can uh, bring forward from the from the psychic transformation to you know the recommendation of cbd and the stem cells and on
1: so anything i can do to help out with this i'm all in i'm you know we've tons of tons of great resources and um you know i'm easy to find through mindshare and i just want to get this message out you know it's like this this happened and becomes a bigger purpose when it can help others. Yeah, I
0: get it. I get it. I can really feel it. Thank you so much for joining me today on New Frontiers, JJ. It's been great to have you.
1: Thank you.